0: You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. And what's up, guys? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report and follow me on Instagram at Saints underscore straight up and on Facebook at straight up Saints uh, Link to all those social media accounts in the description for this episode and with the NFL draft just two days away and it's coming up fast uh, and it's going to be a very fun draft with everything being virtual and not knowing what's going on what's a smoke screen what's not um, I thought the best thing for you guys would be have uh, an insider on here who can give you the best information about what's going on give you more insight on the top players in the draft potential targets for the Saints uh, who they like who they don't like and that for For today's episode is going to be none other than Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football. Remember, Nick is by many and considered by almost all of us the best when it comes to Saints reporting. I mean, he gives you the best news, breaking news, of course. Uh, His his pieces of, um, you know, breaking down prospects and giving giving you his analysis are are top-notch. And he does a great job of interacting with his fans, something that not every guy from New Orleans has done. And I have to give Nick so much credit for being able to do that. He constantly gives you a reply on Twitter if you ask him a question. And he does his very best to make sure he singles people out in a good way. And by that, he means he gives you that one-on-one time on Twitter to ask a question or give him a hot take. And he gives your opinion and stuff like that. And uh, it's just very cool to see. So Nick's going to be on in just a couple of minutes to talk what the Saints might do at 24, which possible quarterbacks could be a fit for the Saints, what to think of Taysom Hill not signing his tender yet, um, and some other topics like Alvin Kamara, whether you trade him, extend him, just roll with it for 2020, what happens there, um, and a prospect that he's not uh, as high on as others, and the choice might actually surprise you. It's a top 25 prospect, I would say, and someone who's been linked to the Saints multiple times, Um So that's definitely worth tuning in for. Now, before we get to the draft, I want to just give you guys an updated schedule on what I probably will do regarding this. Um, I obviously will be live tweeting all seven rounds. I'll be updating you guys on that. I might be doing live streams. I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, I think that's what I'm going to end up doing on Twitter. I'll post the live feed and you guys can watch from there. And we could just go through the Saints pick, you know, the recap right after, you know, um, my fresh reaction. And then obviously I'll have episodes for each day, most likely, depending on what happens for those rounds. But I'll have new episodes for you guys this week for sure. Um, But in terms of recapping the rounds, That will definitely happen, whether it's on Twitter or on video or even both. um, Something of that sort will definitely happen. So stay tuned for that. But for now, guys, let's get into that interview with the one and the only Nick Underhill. Joining me now inside the Straight Up Saints podcast is Nick Underhill of New Orleans Dot uh, First off, Nick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. Um, with the draft coming up, obviously, it's going to be a busy time and, and different than usual because it's going to be virtual and everything. Uh, and it's hard to predict where players are going to go. But if you had to make a gut feeling, Or, you know, what you're thinking right now on this Tuesday, who would you think might be the pick at 24? I know it's weird because we don't know the board yet, but if you had to guess who are two to three options you might see for the Saints at 24.
1: Well, I I think you definitely got to look at both the linebackers just because their actions throughout free agency, maybe foreshadowed a possible move there. It definitely showed that they had interest in adding somebody else there. You know, they made the run at Jamie Collins, offered him $6 million per year that, wasn't enough. He ended up getting 10 from the Lions. Uh, So, you know, they set their price there and moved on. I had also heard that they'd at least kicked the tires on Corey Littleton. And, you know, obviously he got paid a whole lot and they, they bowed out pretty early just because the cost was a little bit higher than they wanted to go. But I think those, uh, those feelers and and offers showed that they would like to get somebody else there. Now, I don't think the linebacker situation is is perilous by any means if everybody stays healthy, I think, that you're pretty deep there, and, you know, they, they could be good to go with, with Davis, Anzalone, and Kiko all year long, but just given the injury history to, to Anzalone and Alonzo, I think maybe you do need to prepare for the worst, and if it's a situation like with Gardner-Johnson and Von Bell, you know, how, how they brought the safeties in a year early, groomed them, brought them up, and then they're ready to replace the next year, I can see that going either, you know, being beneficial with, with Queen or Murray just because I think both of them have – some issues with you know their processing and Queen needs to get a little bit stronger so uh, if things lined up there I I think it could be a great situation for both those guys Um, you know otherwise I think it's just kind of a a best player available situation Uh, you know I'm not sure if it would be a quarterback at that spot you know personally I like uh, Jordan Love I I think he does a lot of things well but you know, i have talking to different people. I, I kind of, you know, some people think it's the same like them. Some people think that the same stone. So it's been a little bit hard to gauge there. And I think, uh, you know, as a reporter, the, the uniqueness of this off season, everybody being spread out, there isn't as much gossip going around. So I think, you know, everybody's kind of uh, shooting in the dark uh, on a lot of the stuff right now, whereas in other years, I think that you kind of have uh, a better feel for things, you know, in these final days as an end of the draft.
0: So you mentioned Jordan Love, and I remember seeing your posts about him around the NFL Combine. He's definitely got the arm talent and all the potential that you want in a quarterback. Um, if the Saints are able to pick him at twenty-four, obviously you know we don't know what the rest of the board would look like. But for Saints fans, that might be worried about, oh, why would we take a guy that doesn't give us immediate impact? What would be your reasoning for why a guy like Jordan Love makes sense for the Saints?
1: Well, I mean, I think if you can take somebody that can help you for the next fifteen years the benefit is obvious. Like if they had gotten Mahomes, Mahomes wouldn't have started in year one. I don't think uh, anybody should look at that and be like, oh man, like good thing they didn't get Patrick Mahomes and they got somebody that helped right away. Like Baltimore is great. But if you get, if you get Mahomes at that spot and you got a generational talent for 15 years, your window for winning Super Bowls is wide open. And by the way, your quarterback's on a rookie deal. So you can go out and spend 14, 15, $16 million on another cornerback. And, and fill that void that way um but yeah i mean you know love the guy that I, I think he needs to go somewhere where he doesn't play right away he does everything well you know physically he, he has the arm he can move he can make plays off script i actually think uh he might be the only guy in college football you know going from college to the nfl that will be thrown in the wider throwing windows in the nfl the, the guys he was playing with were were that bad like they just didn't get open and a lot of times you know he he had to thread the needle to complete a pass but um he he's got a lot of bad habits too and I think he does you know a lot of things that are you you watching like wow that's really dumb um so just being behind Breeze for a year I, I think would help him a lot and then maybe you're set up to go for a long time but you go across the board here besides third wide receiver and look you might have a different take on this and I'd like to hear it but I I just don't really see a spot where you could really draft anybody and they're definitely immediately a day one starter. I think the Saints roster is is that good. And I think anybody they bring in is probably going to, you know, if they fight and, and win a job and they earn it, that's great. But I don't think that there's anyone you draft at 24 and there's an obvious spot for them to play on day one.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Once the Saints got Emmanuel Sanders, I thought to myself, okay, 24 is wide open. Because before that, I was thinking, you know what? Uh, do the Saints maybe get a guy like Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk? Like, who knows? They need another guy opposite of Mike. Uh, but once they got Sanders, it definitely opens up the door. Uh, but I want to talk about that wide receiver three position. You had a fantastic piece on prototypes uh, that fit the the description for wide receivers that the Saints take. And Ayuk was one of them. And and clearly, you're you're high on his tape. Um if there's a scenario where, let's say, Justin Jefferson's leaking around that 20 to 21 range and the Saints are sitting there at 24 and they could just wait and take Ayuk, would you rather them move up a spot or two to get Jefferson or just take Ayuk at 24?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think I'm generally, when I look at the draft, my personal preference is, is patience and acquiring picks, but they've obviously done the counter to that and done really well and they've restocked this team by, by having their guys and targeting them and going after them and making sure they get the specific guy they want instead of casting a wide net, and just kind of, you know, taking the volume approach. And if they think Jefferson's the guy and they move up for it, like, I'm not like trying to, to you know, blindly cheer on the saints or anything here, support them or, or anything like that. But I think that they've earned the reason or, you know, the, the benefit of doubt that if they think somebody is the guy and they make an aggressive move to go get them, that that player generally works out. Now. You know, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that will be quick sale "Well, Davenport. Look, I think Davenport was a good pick, and I think everything he's done while well, he's been healthy, he's showing the right signs. He's moving in the right direction. Maybe he stays healthy for 16 games. I will not be surprised at all to see him get 10 sacks. You know, I I think that they had the right idea on him. I think he's just had some bad luck with injuries. So, generally speaking, when they have a guy, the guy has been the right guy, you know, since Jeff Ireland came in. so. I think, uh, you know, looking at wide receiver, you can't wait and get a good one. But if there is the absolute, this is the guy he fits 100%, get him. You know, if that's the move, then I, I can't disagree with it.
0: So you talked about the Saints being aggressive. A lot of people are thinking, you know, there's no way they're going to wait from pick 24 all the way to 88 and just sit there and be content. If there was um, an option for them to trade up on day two, is there a prospect you really like, uh, whether it's you know a linebacker or an offensive lineman or receiver that you think the Saints it would be in their benefit to trade up or not even trade up, just take um, on day two?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a bunch. You know, we we talked about Love. I think if Love's there in the second round, I I would really have a hard time not making a move, to go get him. You know, even if you really like Taysom Hill, if you bring in somebody to, to put the heat on him, I think that's a good thing. And worst come to worst, you develop him, you know, for two years. He Year three, has an amazing preseason, and you trade him and your second-round pick becomes a first-round pick. So, I mean, if he was there, that, that would be something I would definitely consider. Uh, I like John Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin. Yeah, I think he could come in and, and – do a lot of really good things playing behind that, that offensive line. Um, I don't know where Edwards-Hilaire would go, but if you're looking at a, a post-Alvin Kamara possibility where you don't want to pay him $14, $15 million, um, and you're, you're looking you know, at a way to move on, I, I think he's someone that could come in and do a lot of that stuff. Now, I don't know if it would be you know, 100%. I don't know if he can go out there and – Run a corner route and actually get targeted on it the way Alvin does, but I think he will be a, a reasonable level of replacement for him. And I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I think if if you're looking to get somebody to put the heat on Larry Warford right away, I think you do need to get in the second round because I think the interior offensive line up is is pretty bad. And there's a scenario where you're in the third round and you know there, there's just really nobody left in terms of guys that have a. Uh, starter potential so if you want to hit you know linebacker wide receiver offensive line you know getting that pick I I think is something that they should definitely really consider and I think also trading a future asset is a lot easier when you are almost guaranteed I I think at this point to get a third round pick for for Bridgewater is a comp pick and then uh, I think they should get a six back for AJ Klein so if you're giving up a two next year, then you know you're sitting on two threes, which I think makes it a little bit easier to swallow, and maybe a little bit easier to uh, you know make another move in 2021 to to get back in the second round. Um, you know, if they just they could just basically run that pick the way they run the cap and just keep kicking it down the line and always have a second somehow. And it's just you're trading forward every year, and you know, I I don't know how they make the stuff work, but. You know, they're a team that, that can basically take one credit card and they just move the balance around to the next card, to the next card, to the next card. And if you're willing to live like that with, with these different ways, I mean there is an inefficiency to exploit in, in a very weird way that will make all the analytics people's like heads explode, they manage to do this and it runs counter to the way everybody else does it. That obviously works for them.
0: So I fortunately was able to check out your predictions all that right before uh, I, I, you know, got on this call with you. Um, and I saw when you were talking about Kamara and possible, you know, what would it take or, you know, what could they get from a trade? Um, and it's interesting that you brought up Jonathan Taylor because if there's a chance to maybe flip Kamara and use that pick for now another talented running back on a rookie contract, that would be really good financially. Um, what do you think, though? With what's going on, and you know, no one's face to face right now, how hard would it be for a team like the Saints to say, you know what, uh, we're trading tomorrow, we can get a day two pick here? Is it something that you think would be able to happen over the course of the next few days, or is it something that it's too soon and we just it's going to be tough for them to pull that off if that's what they wanted to do?
1: I would be very hesitant to do it just because this is Breeze's last season, um, and I think breaking up the team right now with a guy that has pretty good chemistry. It would be tough for me to do, but look—if you know it's the end of the road, you know you are going to be able to get it done with Alvin. And if you are convinced, and I think that's the thing—you have to be a hundred percent sure to make that move to a Taylor, or Edward, Saler. You know, it, it, if you're going to do something like that, it has to be the right guy. But the point that I, I was kind of trying to make in there, and I'm curious, like, what you think would be like fair compensation? Because I, I, I'm sure my take on this is is wildly different than most people's. But I think. I think almost what you get back from him doesn't matter. Like if you traded Alvin and you got another Alvin in the third round where they got Alvin to begin with, and now you took the two and seven that you used to trade to get him and you traded it into seven years of very good play from your running back on rookie deals, you know, I, I think that most people would probably forget what they ended up trading Alvin for, and it, it really wouldn't matter. You get seven years out of those two, those two picks, and, you know, it worked out really well. You know, I I think that's good team management. Now, I know, you know, a lot of people probably think Alvin's worth a first. Maybe he is. I I don't know. It's tough for me to see someone giving that up. As I've noted in there, I I didn't think anybody was going to give up a first for Brandon Cook to have to pay him. So all it takes is one team to make that move. But I think it's more, I guess the point that I was trying to make is it's more important with what you do with the compensation than what the actual compensation is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been one of those people on Twitter where I constantly say if they can keep Alvin Kamara, at least just for this season, because like you said, it it could be Breeze's last year. We don't know. You got to keep him, not just because he's a good running back, but what he does as a receiver, and it's just hard to definitely find a replacement for that. I feel like the Saints kind of struggled. You know, Cadet was a serviceable option, but we see how much better uh, Kamara is, and I don't think a team would ever give up a first round pick for a running back on an expiring deal. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, I would be a little skeptical about that. Um, but like you said, if you can find a way to use whatever you get from Alvin and turn that into production for years to come, I think saints fans would forget about it. Um, a prospect. I really want to ask you about, because I, I saw you mentioned him uh, earlier today uh, in your piece. And it's someone who is very scrutinized by the saints community. And I think that's more of a LSU Georgia thing than them actually caring about what he is as a prospect but Jake Fromm's been linked to the Saints a couple of times and I don't know if he's going to be a star, but I do know that he seems like a guy that at the minimum could be a Chase Daniel type quarterback, if not even better. Uh, What would you think about Jake Fromm possibly as a day two pick for the Saints?
1: Yeah, so I guess the, the way I would put it with Fromm is that he's a guy that I think you could win with, but I doubt you'd win because of him and with a very good team around him, which the Saints have, I think you could see him succeeding. I don't, I don't think that, you know, he's the guy you want on the field with the ball in his hands 40 seconds to go and you got to get 80 yards. I, I just don't think that he's someone that's going to lead you down the field like that. But I think in general, he's someone that could come in and, you know, execute a rhythm-based offense, not make a lot of mistakes, protect the ball, get the ball in, you know, Alvin hands if he's on the team, Mike's hands, Sanders' hands, you know, whoever else, and let them go and make plays. And he's not going to do anything that, that drives you nuts. And if Taysom Hill is the quarterback of the future, I, you know, I I think at least having that level of something beneath him that's pushing upwards and you're making Hill earn it would be a good thing. And I, you know, everything I've heard about from is that he has the right attitude to where he could come in and be your backup and he's not going to be sitting there complaining in meetings about his role or anything like that. So I think if if you needed to bring someone in to provide competition, give you a layer of protection. Uh, And if he wins the job, I mean, you know like I said I think you could win games with him he's probably somebody that you look at and you're always thinking wow I could have a better quarterback but you could also have a much worse quarterback so I don't think he's like a a massive difference maker but if he ends up you know being the guy and they want to draft somebody to to possibly develop or be a backup he's there but then the other thing too and I think it's April 27th this year is the cutoff. After that date, you can sign players. They don't count against the comp pick formula. So it's also possible that the Saints already know who they're going to go after, and they're just you know sitting back waiting to sign someone so it doesn't mess up the the comp picks that they're going to get back for Bridgewater and Klein.
0: Oh, interesting. I actually didn't even think of that, but that, that would be something for sure. Um, I want to ask you, because I've asked a couple of people this about – you know, one prospect that you're not on, you're not as high on as others that might be mocked to the Saints or just might be linked at all? Who's that one guy for you that people are buzzing about and you just don't see it?
1: I don't know that I don't see it, but I, I have a lot of... Like, when I watched Kenneth Murray, there, there were a lot of things that, that made me nervous, and that might just be PTSD from watching Stefan Anthony and seeing somebody that, that, you know, makes mistakes on the field, and I'm probably unfairly projecting some things onto him. But... You know, it's honestly been, like, kind of a weird year in draft Twitter. There aren't, like, a ton of, like, polarizing debates. It's been a little bit calmer. Like, this is maybe the first year that I could, like, tweet about players and there isn't, you know, 10 people in my mentions telling me, you know, I'm an idiot for liking someone. It kind of seems like there's a general consensus, and it might just be because the same needs line up well where there are good prospects, you know, wide receiver, linebacker. You know, it's hard to be too mad about any of the options there, so – I'm not really sure. Like I have someone where like I'm sitting back and I'm, like grinding my teeth every time I see people uh, hype them up. You you got a guy?
0: Uh, honestly, for me, the one guy I just can't see right now. It's just Jacob Eason. I I don't know why. It's just I'm a little skeptical about him just being more arm talent, and that's about it. I think he drops back a little bit too much in the pocket, and it kind of leaves his tackles vulnerable. So. I just haven't been a Jacob Eason guy. I don't know if the Saints were even thinking about taking him or not, but I've seen him mock there a couple of times from the uh, NFL Network's edition. So that's the guy for me I'd be a little bit nervous about.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I could go either way on him too. I think there's some things there that, that could develop. But there's uh, I think the floor is pretty low on him, which kind of scares me a little bit.
0: Absolutely. So my last question for you, Nick, I want to ask you something that's not really uh, draft related at the moment, but it's something that saints fans are all talking about. Some are a little bit more nervous than others, uh, but Taysom didn't sign the tender yet. Uh, there's people just saying, Oh, does he want out? Does he want to get traded? Uh, what can you say about all that and what saints fans should expect in the next couple of weeks or months?
1: Well, I mean, to put it in very like blunt and rude terms, like it doesn't really matter what he wants at this point. Cause he can't really go anywhere. So he can, uh, he's got to show up to make that $4 million. If he hasn't signed it yet, I would just guess that that's probably more of an indication of him and his representation trying to work out maybe a different type of deal. And that's their last piece of leverage, even though it's really not leverage at all because he can't do anything with it. But if he can threaten to sit out or something, you know, I, I think that's, that's something that they'd probably keep in their back pocket. But at the end of it all, I mean, there's just really nothing he can do. He he has to play. He hasn't made much money. If there's nothing else for him to get, he's gonna want that four million dollars because he's never made a million dollars in a year. And you got a chance to make four million in a year. Like he's he's 27. Like he can't afford to miss time. It, it's it's gonna work out. There's nothing he can do. So that's not something that I would be too worried about.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Nick, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I also want to, you know, give you a shout out real quick. I I noticed the last month and a half, you've been doing a lot to help people in need right now, uh, with gift cards and everything. And I think it's a very sincere gesture. Um, and if you ever do anything like that again, just please hit me up in the DM and I'm going to make sure to send a donation over your way. I think it's amazing what you've been doing, not just with the football side of things, but, uh, away from the football side of things. I just think it's been very inspiring. Uh, so I want to thank you for that. And, and, Thank you for coming back to covering the Saints, man. We all missed you, uh, and we're happy to have you back. We are not going to hold it against you for that one one year that you had off. Do not worry about that. Um, but thank you again so much, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future, uh, Nick, so thank you, man.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me.
0: And once again, that was Nick Underhill of New Football. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to his website uh, where he gives all his analysis, his opinion pieces, um, his breaking news stories, and also just his play by plays of everything. He just breaks down the game uh, better than most. And There are times where people will just, you know, pitch an idea and all of a sudden Nick comes back later, two hours later with a full-blown story on it and it's amazing. Um, So he's very interactive, like I said before, with the fans And he gives you your money's worth with that content. And actually, right now he has a promo code which I will drop in the link to the description of this episode um, to save you ten dollars off the annual plan. I believe it runs through uh, Thursday. So after the opening round of the draft, that's it. You can't use it. You might as well capitalize now while you're doing it. And you're also going to save money anyway with the annual plan. So you save money to begin with, and then tack off an extra ten bucks. I think it's a win-win. You get great Saints content, and you're saving money doing it. i don't see how you lose in that scenario uh so if you haven't subscribed to nick's work yet you should uh do that. But anyway guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to go on iTunes, go on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review and make sure to subscribe because when you do, you get alerted immediately when episodes like this one drop out um on Straight Up Saints. So you don't want to miss that guys. So rem- remember, subscribe, leave a review, um and stay tuned because the draft is only 2 days away and things are about to heat up when it uh, pertains to New Orleans football.